1960, the automobile industry started performing car crash tests on dummies. Now, because the industry was so male-dominant and heavily designed by men, guess what? The dummies used during the car crash were of an average height, weight and a stature of a man. Now, due to this, 47% of women were more likely to be in a serious car accident as compared to men. Now, and this is just one example. Imagine if your phone's facial recognition algorithm fails to identify you because it does not recognize the color of your skin. Or imagine a website very falsely puts you in a generic bucket of an ethnic group that you don't even feel included or belong to. And that is why today we'll be talking about the importance of diversity when designing and building products. My today's guest is an extremely charming and an interesting personality. Usually I get complimented that Snail, you are pretty good at having conversations and storytelling. But when she enters the room, I know I have no chance. <laughs> Today I'm in conversation with Renee Reed. Renee is a UX design researcher and she's making sure that we build excellent user-friendly and inclusive products. She's out there talking to real customers and understanding their real pain points and needs. Today we'll talk everything about diversity in designing and building products. Renee, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for such an amazing introduction. I have done so many interviews, so many events, and that by far has been the most inspiring for me. So thank you. That was incredible. <laughs> well, all those words were true and they were coming right from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Sneal. Ready, we have been hearing these two words a lot these days, diversity and inclusion. And I feel they have become like the buzzwords and I think somewhere it is fashionable to use them. Although my understanding is that diversity and inclusion are widely misunderstood or people have created their own definitions of it based on their own experiences. I know you are a UX design researcher and you are out there talking to people and understanding their problems firsthand. So I wanted to understand from you, what does diversity mean to you and what does it mean to have diversity when designing products? Yeah, as a design researcher and being mindful of audiences and users that span the globe, diversity in product um, is really about when someone from any socioeconomic background, any demographic, any religion, any ethnicity can look at that product, experience that product and feel represented. And so diversity in product is so important, especially when you're talking about global experiences and taking in consideration all the different type of people, mm. abilities, capabilities as well. Uh, when designing. And, and to your point about we're hearing about it more, I think people are just listening uh, mm. more because this is something that has been or should have been the bedrock in product and design and experience in having diversity and inclusion. Um, and people have been talking about it 
again, I just feel like now to your point or hearing about it more is that people are paying closer attention and listening to the importance. So can you give some examples of explaining why is diversity important? Like what is the main why behind that? Yeah, I, I go back to what I mentioned earlier about representation. Hmm. If I am utilizing an app or an experience or a product and I might see just one gender hmm. or one type of uh, ethnicity, hmm. am I going to feel like I'm being heard or I'm being seen? Hmm. And that makes a difference in how a person interacts with something for the longevity do they feel represented in a way that they want to be a part of that experience? You alienate people when you are only um, showing and uh, demonstrating one type of experience or one type of uh, a product. Um, and so in, in product growth, um, you have to be able to take in consideration all the different types of segments of people that your experience may be uh, utilized with. Lovely. Do you personally think that products today are lacking diversity? In a simple word, uh, yes. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's a progress and it's a journey. And part of that is very candidly, you know, the systems that have created products Mm. Um, weren't necessarily set up in a way to be inclusive and to design and create more diversity. And so, you know, looking at what we see today of products not being diverse, um, it's going to take some reconstructing, sometimes even deconstructing the systems that set of themselves that created these experience and products in order for there to be uh, more diversity uh, within products and experiences. So yes, um, again, to go back to answering your question in one word, yes, I feel like um, the products are lacking diversity because again, the systems that, were, are, that are in place that are creating them are not even diverse themselves. You mentioned systems are not diverse enough. I'm, I'm interested more in that. Can you, can you shine some more light in detail? Yeah, if we, you know, look at, you know, the product development cycles, mm -hmm. organizations, things like that, you know, there is a trend um, in terms of, you know, who's at the head making the decisions, mm -hmm. who is creating, who are the, um, developers or the people and this is over time we're not talking about something in the last five to ten years we're talking right. about decades of this right, right. and so historically uh there has been again a very homogenous type of framework um that has been in place that has always represented or not represented uh the broader use cases of users hmm. of people and so what has happened is um, again, systems have created or perpetuated types of um, experience and products that are really representative or for a certain type of group or um, demographic, in part because, and I go back, of how they, the systems are actually designed. And so if diversity was not a part of how organizations, development, 
uh, were constructed, then the output of that is not even looking diverse as well. Beautiful, beautiful. And when you say systems, I mean, are we also talking of uh, the teams that are building these products, the teams that are designing these products and conceptualizing it? Is that right? Absolutely. Teams, organizations, um, you know, who's funding these projects, wow. the money <laughs> involved. So all of that um, is, should be taken into consideration in terms of what's not being, uh, what's, where's diversity showing up and what's not showing up. And I think that's part of the issue that we have now. Like we're looking at the end product mm. of diversity, of mm. what's showing up in product. Mm. And I'm a huge proponent of we've got to go further back to understand how diversity is not even showing up in the teams, in the organizations, in the systems. Hmm. And so if they're not there at the ground, at the baseline, at the bedrock, then we can't expect for the outputs to be different. Do you think that is the core underlying problem? I think that's part of it. Okay. For sure. I think that's a large um, part of it. And I think that's what we're starting to see now where there has been a huge call to action um, over the last call, a couple of years about there being representation, again, in the C-suite levels, at these uh, levels where people are making uh, decisions. And so now, you know, the, uh, the battle cry for more diversity inclusion is starting to perpetuate, um, again, the systems, and then also uh, the output of those systems, like products and experiences. Lovely. And... Uh if you remember, I know we have had a conversation where uh, one of the major differences between um, uh, our teams working together, I know we, we closely interact, engineering closely interacts with the, the UX designer and UX design experiences. Uh, one difference is that we make decisions sitting in a conference room on whiteboards, whereas you take decisions and interpretations based on the real problems out there. And that is extremely important to understand and also start incorporating because uh, if the team sitting in the room is not going to understand what's out there, they are going to build products that are not fulfilling the needs out there. That's 100% correct. And you just described perfectly a system, yes. right? There's a system in creating these things kind of in a bubble, like you said, in a whiteboard, yeah. kind of separate from everything else. And then the system of, you know, a researcher and a design of being more integrated with the people and understanding the users. And so almost siloed. And mm -hmm. so I think that's why it's so important for there to be, you know, that heavy collaboration and understanding of both worlds to help build and break down those barriers of the systems mm -hmm. to, again, illuminate uh, what we need in terms of diversity and inclusion in the products that we're building. Beautiful, beautiful. So Renee, um, being a UX design researcher, uh, can you give some examples of the systems that you have uh, incorporated within your work in order to make sure that your designs and your research is more inclusive, more diverse, and all those aspects are hit. Can you give some examples in that area? Yeah, sure. So, you know, some tactical things that I've done over my career to ensure that that representation and inclusion and diversity are present could be as, um, as simple as just making sure that the designs and concepts 
are representative of not just one group, not just one gender, but mm -hmm. has a broad representation. So for example, you know, if you're, depending on your industries or things like that, if you're only reflecting one type of uh, title or mm -hmm. one type of, like I said, demographic, and you're showing it to different people, what is that going to say? Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's really important that even in early on in the process, that we're thinking about how even the concepts are reflecting or not reflecting mm -hmm. diversity, right? And again, not just in um, gender or ethnicity, but also the socioeconomic representation as well. Are you taking in consideration people who don't necessarily have all the access to the experiences that you are providing? Are you taking into consideration people who may not have what we call the happy path yeah. um, experience, right? And so making sure that it, it starts there. And then also, of course, as a uh, researcher, just making sure that the people that I'm talking to and the people that um, I'm doing research with and having studies um, that they too are representative are of different types of groups. And, and just to piggyback on that, I think that also is important as an individual hmm. to recognize and be able to see and get outside of your own bubble of thinking and awareness. Because diversity isn't just something that just shows up when you walk into a meeting or you just start a project. Diversity needs to be showing up in your day-to-day -day, than when you're not actually doing that type of you know work and i think you and i have just created such a great relationship in being inquisitive about mm -hmm. each other's cultures or the things that we're doing and as individuals we have helped to diversify you know our uh, our surroundings and who we know and things like that that then helps in our day-to-day Absolutely. That we're thinking about those things as well. So, you know, it has to start with the individual. What are you doing to help create a more diverse inclusion or diverse and um, equitable and, and, and inclusive type of atmosphere in your own personal life yeah. that can then show up in your work and you start thinking about um, those things. Absolutely. And I think I cannot agree more on that. One of the things that we are known for is our uh, ability to be extremely open to each other, uh, open to cultures, open to our values. And there's so many things that we need, we learn from each other. And, and I think I cannot emphasize more on the fact that you just told that, how important is it to have that open mindset at the ground level, start within your team, start within from yourself when you are meeting a new stranger or someone of a different background or different group, which does not fall in your own bubble, go ahead and learn of that. Learn of them. What are they trying to say? How do they interact with the world? And yeah, I think, I mean, the, as, if, if you always hit the point, nail, <laughs> nail right in the head. <laughs> now, it is no surprise uh, and some people who would know you would uh, attest with what I'm just about to say that it is no surprise that Renee is excellent at building relationships and maintaining them. There is no doubt in that. So uh, let's let's make it more uh, simple for our viewers. Uh, how can one make a meaningful relationship and in a way that it cultivates for a longer time? Yeah, and I'll just say 
you know, from like you mentioned, personal and, and professional, you know, it's not about necessarily becoming best friends with someone all the time. And I think that's where people sometimes, you know, get hesitant, hesitant on, you know, what they're, what we're talking about in terms of cultivating relationships. It is as simple as just asking questions. And as a researcher, as a person, you know, I just, I'm curious. I, I want to know, I want to know about who you are, not just the engineer and not just the product manager or the data scientist. I want to know who you are. In top of, what do you do? Mm. Tell me about, you know, the engineer. And, you know, like I've sat down side by side to say, just show me what you do. Like, I want to understand. And I think starting with empathy for the person, their practice, what they do is just so important in cultivating that relationships. Yes, we have, you know, our tactical things we need to do and accomplish and our goals that we need to, but when you have empathy and understanding what the engineer has to do, what the product manager has to do, what I have to do, um, it just creates just a different type of a relationship Mm -hmm. so that one, if you don't agree on something, no one's taking it personal. You know, people are listening to one another because you've laid that foundation of, I just want to understand you, what you do, who you are, and then just let it build from there. It's, you know, it's a, it's a process. It's a journey and just be kind to one another and getting to that place where you can convert, can um, cultivate that, that trust for one another. Beautiful. And I think my question behind that question was uh, because somehow we want to take the learnings that you just said and go ahead and implement it in building strong, meaningful teams. Let's start with building your teams that are going to build products for 7 billion people out there in the world. So that was the main thing. So do you think uh, what all you just said, uh, like I'm assuming we can, uh, it's okay to be uh not just professional within your team but it is important to understand be empathetic towards your co-workers towards the partners that you work with and just truly understand is that right 100 percent. yeah i think you know there's no secret that a lot of times in my career i have been the only black woman in the room i've been the only minority in the room and sometimes people don't understand the weight that carries. And even speaking about diversity and inclusion, that's a lot of weight for me to carry if I'm the only person Mm. talking about diversity and inclusion, Mm. where it needs to be this collective effort. So it's important for teams to understand and have that empathy for one another so that someone can say, you know what, Renee doesn't need to be the only one talking about making sure that we're including this type of gender or this type of ethnicity. And so people begin to understand um you know your barriers your frustrations what you uh what you have to go through um and vice versa i begin to understand what other people um have to go through as engineers or as uh leaders in the space and making things happen and so there is a shared understanding of uh being human mm-hmm. you know in these rooms that allow for better dialogue better communication, um, you know, amongst projects and ideas, um, and just being authentic in these spaces. I think that's what all this 
uh, culminates to in that you break down a lot of the walls and that people begin to authentically be able to show up in these spaces so that they can be effective and work with the passion and excitement to create these experiences uh, for other people because it's almost a, re a reflection of what's happening in the rooms uh, that they're in. Very well said, Renee. And if you don't mind, I have a follow-up question for you. It is a little personal in nature, uh, but you, you can choose not to answer it. You mentioned that there have been times where you are in a meeting room and you felt that weight, you felt that burden. Uh, can you shine some light on that? Uh, what did you feel exactly? Yeah, you know, being uh, the only black woman in a room a lot of the times, or sometimes the only woman um, in the room, you know, there's this uh, constant reminder uh, that you're having to deal with. And you're always in this feeling of, um, you know, being in the spotlight of saying the wrong thing or, you know, not saying the right thing. And so that weight takes its toll over time and years. This is not a one-off experience. This is something that I've, you know, experienced throughout my career. And so, you know, you can grow callous to that um, or you can get to a place that I'm at where, you know, I shine a light mm. on it. And so the conversations are, listen, I don't want to be the only, you know, black woman in the room speaking on the subject. There should be multiple voices mm -hmm. and not just mine. And so, you know, as I've grown throughout my career, I've become a lot more transparent about the situation so that change can happen. Mm -hmm. So that others can have the understanding and the weight of being that only voice. And like I was mentioning earlier, if I'm constantly being constantly the one saying, hey, you know what, there are no um, people of color mm. in this uh, experience or there's you know, women in this experience and you're, you're constantly being that one, it can grow on you and you can, it can, you can get tired because you want to be able to talk about and demonstrate other things, not just that same subject, mm. you know, all, all the time. Yes. And so I think people in part because I have been more vocal. Mm. I have been more transparent about the feeling in the room, like you're asking me, mm -hmm. and getting people to understand that, that people have then done that self-evaluation and said, you know what, I, I'm so used to being uh, part of the majority, I haven't really thought about not mm. being uh, the only person in the room. And so people have begun to start thinking like that and you know, realize that something needs to change. And it's been fantastic. Lovely. And I mean, I think from the bottom of my heart, thank you for sharing this personal space with us today. And I just feel that what you just said will be so inspiring for other people who are probably in a similar boat like you, even today. And they might probably get an inspiration that, okay, Renee made it happen. Maybe even I need to step up my game in order to make sure I go in that direction. I have this personal saying that the courage of few can invigorate many. And I began to really realize that in my own willingness to be brave and have the courage to speak my truth and be um, unapologetic and be authentically me and share, I've actually freed up other people 
to do the same. And so 100%, like you said, it, you know, you would be surprised that you think you're doing it for yourself, but you're actually helping so many other people um, in doing that. Excellent, excellent. And that is one of the beauties of you is the amount of rich experiences, all these small little experiences that you have bagged all these years. I was looking at your speech on YouTube uh, where I was just in awestruck. You have done everything. You have been a waitress, you have been a cashier, you have been a sales representative and a customer representative, a product manager, and now a UX design researcher. It is just mind blowing to even think about it of the different steps and the journey you have been through. So I think a question for you based on that is that, how has all of those rich experience uh, positioned you the way you are today, especially when you are thinking of integrating design into products and stuff? Um, so like you said, it's, it's been a journey <laughs> of, of sorts and a journey that had ups and downs and twists and turns and all these different things. And, you know, very candidly, there was a part of my career where I was, almost ashamed of all the different twists and turns that I, uh, I took because I felt like, you know, you should have been on like a straight path. You know, you graduate college, you get a degree, and then you just jump right into the career that you wanted. And such was not the case. And so I had these twists and turns, like you mentioned. Um, and it wasn't until I was on the pathway to become a UX researcher that I really started to hone in and lean on, lean into all of my experiences. I began to really realize that everything that I had done, like you mentioned, project management, uh, customer service, waitressing, all these things really helped elevate me uh, as a UX researcher because it was my journey. Um, I owned it. It wasn't something that was very cookie cutter. I didn't go to school for design. I didn't, you know, go. It was this eclectic way of me putting together my own journey and story that I could speak to very clearly um, and understanding who I was as a researcher, someone who was able to see things from um, holistically, from the business side, from the research side, um, and ultimately, you know, the science side uh, of research. So that actually made me stand out um, uh, as a candidate. And so how I've used that um, in my day-to-day -day is just allow me, again, to think more holistically mm. into what I'm doing as a researcher, to see things more of a, as a system um, and looking at things uh, as a journey versus these very silo type things. And all that is just because of my own learned experiences um, over time. Um, and I'll just say the one thing of, uh, and I've mentioned this about, you know, being a Voltron uh, and, and pulling it all together, self-proclaimed uh, UX Voltron. And what I mean by that is at a time I thought I had to, you know, put all those things that I did previously away and kind of reskill and relearn and become this new person that was separate from all my learned experiences and become this UX researcher. 
But then I started to realize I can pull in my experiences as a waitress where I would hear someone say things and I would have to interpret it and say, well, did you mean this? Or um, tell me about, and just kind of think more strategically about what they needed. Uh, you know, thinking in, in the sales aspect of what I was doing and how I presented my work as a researcher um, and reports, who I was talking to. You know, how I deliver my work to engineers is a little bit different how I deliver my work to, you know, designers because I have to be attentive to what really are the things that make them understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All of that is because I had these experiences, not because I forgot them and learned the discipline of UX research. Beautiful, beautiful. I, I, uh, one statement that you mentioned in your uh, answer that just caught my ears. Uh, I love when you said you owned it and that is an important part. It is extremely important to own whatever you are doing. And this is a message to probably so many boys and girls out there who at this moment probably don't have a career path decided they don't know what they're doing uh whatever job that they are doing might not be relevant to the degree that they have in or it is probably not paying them enough or of course we understand all of those things but it just reminds me of one quote from steve jobs you cannot connect the dots looking ahead you can always connect the dots looking behind and that is a classic example in your case right now because look at you right now from where you started all the ups and downs turns and twists that you did and collecting and becoming the voltron of experiences and you are where you are today awesome so coming to the last segment of our talk today renee the show is called it's not that complicated the whole idea is that we take such complex difficult topics and we talk about it and at the end of the show hopefully give an inspiring kick to our audience Uh, an inspiration that you know it's not that difficult if you actually want to make it happen so based on our discussion today rene what are some three ctas some three call to actions that you would want to sum it up with which will help build products with more diverse mindset and integrated not just in products but also within building teams So I think the main thing I want to touch on, and like you said, the three CTAs, and we kind of touched on this earlier, um, is culture, community, and company. And what do I mean by that? Culture, how are you cultivating a culture of diversity and inclusion first within your own self? How are you as an individual really representing diversity inclusion? Just take a self check and, you know, take inventory of, your community, so that's the second one. Take a, a, a litmus test into your community. Who are you talking to on the day-to-day? Are there people that you don't know about that you should know about? Um, and then help build that community within your team. Really make sure that you are communicating and com- again, cultivating um, a team and atmosphere that is uh, representative of being diverse and, and, and inclusive. And again, I keep on saying equity as well as important, right? Making sure that people are gaining something. Um, and then overall company. Um, I think it's important to uh, be a part of a system um, that recognizes the importance of diversity and inclusion so that it is um, embedded in the culture of the company um, and it's also reflective in the products and experiences and so again those tangible things 
cultivate a culture of diversity and inclusion within yourself. Uh, do a check of the community that you are um, engaged with and community, you know, that could be various communities, whether that's mm -hmm. outside of work and inside of work. Um, and then again, making sure that you're a part of a system and a company that uh, recognizes the importance of diversity inclusion. So it's reflective uh, throughout the company culture, um, as well as in the products and in the experiences. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Renee, for this rich information to every one of us. And I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today. Listen, this has been, uh, like I said, I've done many interviews and talks and I have thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you, learning more about you. And I'm just so excited about all the things that you're doing and what we can do together. Thank you for watching today's episode. If you like this episode, make sure you press that like button and also share this episode with your friends, teammates, colleagues, anyone who would be interested in this. And if you like such topics, every week we come up with interesting topics. So make sure you hit this subscribe button right here.